Hello and welcome to A Higher Tuning. I'm your host, Ron Skinner. In today's episode, we will be discussing the importance of creating a discipleship-rich worship ministry. So stay tuned as we delve into this topic together. What do you think of when you think of a worship leader? What comes to mind? I know for me growing up, worship leaders were always the really cool guys on the stage with a guitar who all the girls seem to adore. But is that really what God has called us to? Is that the nature of our vocation? You know, our culture today has shifted the nature of worship leader and the biblical view of a worship leader into just a mere song leader. Biblically speaking, the Holy Spirit is the true worship leader. We see that all throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is what's ushering us into God's presence and calling us to worship. We see that as early as Genesis 1, when God sent His Holy Spirit to hover over the waters. We see the presence of the Holy Spirit as we move through the text all the way into even the New Testament, into Acts, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the congregation there in Acts and becomes the, the fire for their worship. As we think about the Holy Spirit's involvement today, we really think about the Holy Spirit as being that true worship leader. So if God is His own worship leader, then what is our role supposed to be? I love the notion of referring to worship leader as lead worshiper. Biblically speaking, the Holy Spirit is the true worship leader, so my role is to be the person in the room who is most looking toward the Holy Spirit's leadership. In such a manner, I model worship for the congregation. Therefore, I am the lead worshiper. So if we're not to be song leaders, then what's our role? I think our role is defined in the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. When Jesus, as he ascends, says to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples. The calling to make disciples was so important that Jesus said this as he ascended into heaven. Essentially, it was his parting phrase to his disciples. It was his master plan for his disciples. And it was their mission going forward. As pastors in the church, it's our mission to make disciples as well. Long gone are the days when the worship leader can stand back idly and say, you know, I'm just the music guy. I'm not the discipleship pastor. I don't believe that God differentiates the roles within the church to that degree. I believe that we're all to be disciple makers. And so our task as worship leaders is how do you create a discipleship-rich ministry within your church. So for the next few minutes, I want to offer just a few suggestions of ways that you can create just that, a music ministry so rich in discipleship that you can see lost people come to Christ, that you can see those who are currently serving the Lord serve Him even deeper, longer, and more faithfully. But before we look at some practical ways in which to develop and disciple those around you, I want to examine three biblical principles that Jesus himself modeled for his disciples to follow that I believe can deeply enrich our music ministries today. The first principle of discipleship modeled by Jesus is called the 70-plus principle. Did you know that Jesus had more than just 12 disciples? In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, we learn that Jesus invested in a multitude of over 70 disciples and sent them out in pairs to prepare the way for his ministry. Just as Jesus chose 12 disciples 
from among the multitude of the 70-plus, we as worship leaders have to choose to invest ourselves in a select few beyond that of the whole. There's no way for you to invest equally in your entire church or in your entire worship team or choir. You have to pick some leaders out of that particular group to take even deeper into leadership. Think of it this way. Even within the 12, have you ever noticed that Peter, James, and John were around when all the really cool stuff happened, like the Mount of Transfiguration? These guys were so tight with Jesus that their mom felt comfortable asking Jesus which one of them would sit at his right hand. I think that we in our worship ministries should identify spheres of influence within the entire group. Think of it this way. You have your Facebook friends, you know, those people that you kind of just let be one of your Facebook friends to pad your numbers and feel important. Those particular individuals don't necessarily know you as well as your coworkers do or as well as your best friend from high school. You see three different places in which you've invested yourself to different levels. That should exist within our worship ministries. Jesus himself modeled spheres of ministry influence. The second principle that we see from Jesus is what I call the bus book principle. Just as Jesus empowered his disciples to continue ministering and discipling others after his departure, we should do the same in our worship ministries. How did he do this? He left his spirit with the disciples the whom he had chosen. You see this in John 15, 31 and over in Acts 1, 2. In the same way, we have to leave our spirit with our ministry as well. This is secession planning in the business world. But in the church world, we shy away from talking about not being there. It's scary to us to think that the church can operate equally without us. And in the same regard, it's not very good for job security to think about how others can replace you in a volunteer setting or a part-time bivocational setting, such as many worship leaders find themselves. But Jesus didn't embody a ministry predicated on presence, but one predicated on his spirit that he left to the disciples. So we do this in a very tangible way in our worship ministries when we not only empower those to lead, but we actually leave tangible evidence of our being there and our secession. You can do this by making a bus book. I want to put down all of the resources that are used on a Sunday morning to make church happen in case I get hit by a bus on Saturday night. If Sunday morning suffers because I'm not there, then I have created a ministry that's predicated on my presence and not the presence of the Lord. So I have everything written down, such as how to turn on the lights, how to turn on the computers and pro presenter in the sanctuary, how to fire up the PA and which preset to bring up on the X32 in order to match the Allen and Heath in-ear units on stage. All of these things can be empowering to those whom you lead. The third and final principle that Jesus modeled for our examination in Scripture is called the D-Up, D-Down principle. Just as Jesus sent his 70-plus out to prepare the way for he and the 12, we should also be disciples of Jesus, but also disciple-makers. So Jesus models this idea of being a disciple, but also being a discipler. We should also have that same mentality within our worship ministries. We can instill this by taking lesser-talented musicians and pairing them with musicians who are more talented. 
and then pairing those more talented musicians with other musicians who are more talented or maybe better at a different discipline musically than that person in question. We can do this within our worship ministries as well as we take people who are slightly less on the spiritual walk and fresher to the Christian faith and pair those with people who have been saved saints for many years and take those individuals and pair them also with someone who's maybe an older saint, aging out of the ministry and aging out of life to be able to show and depart some wisdom to them. I do this in my own personal life. I have people that I invest in that are younger than me, that are maybe less uh, less spiritually mature than I am, or also that are musically uh, a little bit newer to their craft than I am as well. I want to give them some of the skills that I've learned along the way. But I'm also not naive enough to believe that God has given me all the good stuff. So I want to go and search for those who God has put in my circle who are better than me musically, for those who are better than me spiritually. And I want to find someone who is maybe an, an older gentleman who's who's been through life and can tell me kind of what's on the next 10 years in, in horizon. So I'm always looking for someone to invest in, but also looking to be invested in by others. Those three principles, and there are many others, these are just three, that Jesus models in his discipleship ministry can easily impact our worship ministries. So think about your people at your church, those whom you lead. Who has God placed in your immediate circle whom you should take deeper into discipleship? Who should you move into a closer ministry sphere, just as Jesus modeled with the 70-plus principle? Have you began to make plans for your own departure from your ministry? Have you began to create resources to empower those others in the ministry to, to be able to carry on the tasks of Sunday morning? Have you imparted leaders to lead in your place? And also, are you a disciple? Are you discipling others? Is discipleship so important to you that you cannot imagine being a successful worship leader without first being a successful disciple. I believe that Jesus would advocate that this is so important in our ministries that it's actually our primal mission to go and make disciples, just as Jesus said when he departed and went back to be with the Heavenly Father. He said, go therefore and make disciples, teaching them to obey and baptizing. Our teaching is only palatable when we have first been a disciple and spent time discipling others. So I challenge you as you listen to this podcast, the same challenge that I give to myself, and that is to embrace the importance of discipleship in the worship ministry and to go therefore, just as Jesus said, and make disciples. Thank you for tuning in to this first episode in a series all about creating a discipleship-rich music ministry here on a higher tuning when standard tuning is not enough for your worship ministry.